All right, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk, my second episode of the week. Along with me, as always, Shane and Brandon. Say hello, guys. Hello. What up? All right, we have a lot of fun topics uh, to get to today. Uh, But we are starting with some breaking news that literally came out an hour. Yes, literally an hour before we started recording. Uh, We're recording at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Jamal Adams has informed the Jets that he wants to be traded. This was the inevitable. We talked about Jamal Adams about a month ago now. It seemed inevitable that it was time for him to part ways. He's also listed seven teams that he would like to be traded to. That's from ESPN's Adam Schefter. The list includes the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, best fit for Jamal Adams out of those seven teams. Again, Ravens, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, and Seahawks. So I'll go first. Um, Ravens kind of surprised me because I think Brandon, I think your mic cut off again, man. Is it good now? Yes. Okay. So, Ravens, I don't think so. They don't have cap to get them. They I'll say that right cap. away. Uh, Cowboys, sure, but he'd be kind of wasting his talent. Um, I mean... <sighs> 49ers, yes, but I don't want him to go there. Uh, cap. He can't go there because of cap. Yeah. Same with the honestly, Chiefs. Honestly, the only team in that list is the Seahawks that I legitimately... Seahawks have a ton of cap. They still have open spots. They have players the that Eagles. they have... Yeah, but the, like you have to remember the Seahawks are, in a, are, are, are the team out of all of those that has cap and is also in a position to make a, a solid push if they pick up someone like Jamal Adams. Now, as I've talked about before, the Cowboys have expressed interest. So for the Seahawks, let's start with with them here. Are you prepared, Brandon, to give up a quality offensive lineman or two to get Jamal Adams? Um, yes. You are prepared to do it because that seems to be his value. The reason being is the Seahawks have a large stash of of linemen that they've acquired over the offseason. And frankly, I believe we have enough of a stash of linemen that we could give up one or two good players to acquire Jamal Adams because this is a guy I've seen play a lot and I don't think there's been a, a player on the on the like market who's interested in in being traded that I've been so impressed by and wanted so much. Like even more than Clowney. Like, I think Clowney's great, right? But mm-hmm. Jamal Adams has proven that he can go every single day of the week. Like, he also doesn't get injured that much, you know? No. Um, so, I wouldn't say go crazy. Like, obviously don't, like, throw the freaking kitchen sink at, at him. But, you know. So again, as I mentioned before, the Cowboys did give or or the Jets made an offer to the Cowboys last season 
which was two of their top offensive linemen and I believe a first or second round selection, which seems to be a little bit much. But that's kind of why I say the value, I think, is offensive linemen because I think the Jets obviously need O-line. And that, that, so I, I assume that's what the Jets are hoping for. But as this keeps dragging on, that might change. Shane, you mentioned the Eagles. Let's, let's move on with them. Where do you think he would fit in with the Eagles defensively? And also, what value do you think the Eagles could give up? Um, I don't know what exactly they would give up. But, you know, they're one of the teams. The reason I say the Eagles is mainly because they have the cap room, but also the potential um, for winning and being really good. Um, you know, I just don't think that you're going to get that with any of the other teams except for the Seahawks. So, um, you know, I, I, I could see him going to either one of those, but I mean, those are, you know, that's an interesting, it's an interesting set of teams that he, uh, is interested in, um, you know, I think that the Eagles, at least defensively, they have. I mean, they have they they have a decent defense, of course, but mm-hmm. um, you know the secondary is kind of an area that they need to fill after losing uh, what's his name, Malcolm Jenkins. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be you know that would be a great pickup for them obviously yeah um yeah i don't know this will this will be interesting to see what exactly does happen again i do feel like the chiefs ravens niners uh, the chiefs ravens and the niners are out i i don't know if they have enough cap to get him for a season there might be a, a chance but it seems slim um, but as for the Cowboys and the Texans, it is very interesting to me that he is interested in going to Texas in some form. Texans would be fun. I, I, I wonder if they're in a semi-rebuild mode, and we will get to the Texans a little bit later But uh, when we do our division preview but uh, of the AFC South, of course. But I think it, that could be interesting. I think the Cowboys thing seems to be the most likely scenario considering that's the team who's negotiated with the Jets the most. But I don't know how willing both sides are of restarting the negotiation at this moment. Um, But yeah, so let's move forward. I did want to talk about Josh Gordon uh, applying for reinstatement. He will get reinstated. But I wanted to talk about his impact for the Seahawks last year. What to you guys did you feel was his impact last year? And what could he do if he comes back to the Seahawks uh, next season? Uh, well, so here's the thing. We've talked about this already. Um, Josh Gordon is someone who he's not expected Sorry, Brandon, your mic continues to, for some reason, glitch out. Not expected. What the fuck? 
he's an old old veteran at that. Yeah. I think he is someone who is just expected to come in and be someone to make the big plays, like every now and then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see where the pro- like what would be wrong with the Seahawks being like, you know what, we can pay him a small amount of like a little bit of money. It'd probably be like a mill, maybe a mill and a right, half, right? Which is not huge compared to some of the other players, and he does bring a big weapon to the team. I mean, you look at some of the you look at at the at the games when he was on the field. He gave Russell another deep ball threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had like three. He played only a couple games, and he had like three fifty-yard catches, like yard mm-hmm. reception um, in each game. So, yeah. uh, Shane, what's your feeling on Gordon being reinstated? Yeah, I mean, more than anything, I just want to see him play some more. You know, it's. Um... Last season, I mean, like Brandon said, he only played a few games. And in those few games, he, you know, you could feel his his presence because it was, and like you say, just another target. I mean, he has two good ones in Lockett and Metcalf. But, you know, in in, in this league, in this day and age nowadays, it's you kind of need three receivers three good guys almost. And um, he definitely has that ability. So, yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that he will get reinstated. And, um, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll see. I mean, uh, he's very, you know, between the three of them, you got a lot of variety. I mean, they're they're all very well-rounded, I think. So, um, yeah, it's – I mean, I guess now it's just a matter of time, really. <laughs> I, I do think this is another piece you're missing. They did add Philip Dorsett this year as well. So it's really four guys. Uh, Dorsett, maybe more of a in-cut kind of guy. Not as much as a deep route player, but he can do that. It, it is a nice receiving core. I think Josh Gordon's role has definitely diminished over time, and I feel like it will continue to be less and less valuable, especially if he goes back to Seattle just because Dorsett is there. But he has a place on the team, I think, and could make some kind of impact, as you guys said, as that deep threat in those type of situations. But again, I've never really felt, other than 2013, he's really been you know that type of Josh Gordon. 2013, Josh Gordon's a much different player. So, And I think more people are starting to realize that over time. He's just not that same kind of player. But he can be a deep threat when you need him to be, and I think uh, that's where he can be important. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not as good as he used to be, you know, but he, he, can, he can still be a difference maker when it counts. Yeah. Uh, so, Shane, I wanted to start with you with this as well. Um, so we got the Rams and the Chargers are going to be on Hard Knocks. So it's going to be Hard Knocks all in Los Angeles. Uh, this was reported a few months ago as like a rumor. I think we talked about it, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, in terms of uh, the whole situation with COVID-19, a- as a filmmaker yourself, I know it's this is much different as documentary filmmaking, but how do you think they're going to approach Hard Knocks from a filmmaking perspective with the uh, much different circumstances uh, surrounding filmmaking as a whole right now. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I imagine, I mean, it's going to be a smaller crew, that's for sure. Um, you know, there's probably, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just like a, just two people, a guy with a camera and then a, a boom operator just going in there on the scene doing their thing. And, um, you know, it, it's, I think it's interesting that they're doing, regardless of filmmaking, I, th I think it's interesting that they're doing both of the LA teams. Um, because I don't, I mean, do, do they ever do two teams in a season? They've never done it. This no. is the first time. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I mean, if you're going to do that, this would make sense, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to it because, you know, I, I'm, I want to see how things are looking inside the Rams locker room. Cause I feel like they're kind of in a strange place as a franchise after being in the Super Bowl two years ago. And now they're, kind of on this downfall in my opinion and just seeing how everyone's handling that. And then of course the chargers and their rebuild and, you know, not knowing who their kind of their leader is, if you will. And, you know, the way that that will be handled. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, hard knocks is always, is always the time and a half. So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's it'll be interesting. When is it coming out again? Yeah, it's going to be late August, so I would imagine okay. around like a month yeah. from now. Well, the question the question I have is like, how are they even going to do hard knocks this year? Like, do we even know if we're going to have actual training camp? Right, but they've already started filming. I really? would imagine because you yeah. do you do realize that they start filming like the like on draft week or even before yeah, the draft. Someone's They've already started filming something. And even if we don't have training camp, you know, coaches are coming back to the facility or they have been the last two weeks. There is something to be said also just to see how teams are affected. You can actually probably see that like in right. the locker room and like the players that do come into the facility. But Brandon, are you excited to see both of these two LA teams as Shane laid out with these different sort of situations? In you terms know, of who they are as teams, I should say. I think both of the teams are are boring to begin with. Um, I think they were. I think the Rams were boring when they did Hard Knocks last time. Um, but I will say this: I'm kind of intrigued to see what's going on with the Chargers, um, because they went from this team that really looked like they had a solid chance to run their division for a while to just meh you know yeah it, they it, both did yeah yeah true. I, I look at the chargers and i think like it's about getting herbert on the right footing if he has a good year if he plays at all this year but if he comes in and and really lights it up this this team looks much better than it looks right now it's really all about quarterback play if you want to put it down I, yeah. to one. I don't, I don't really see Herbert playing, though, this year. I have a tough time. As we talked about uh, last week when we did the preview, it does, it does seem – I look at – again, I look at what the Dolphins are doing with Tua. 
And it is weird that Tua seems farther along than Herbert at, at this moment in time. So I wonder if, if it's just that they want to be committed to Tyrod Taylor or if they feel like, or if, I don't know. Because to me, looking at Tua's progress, because it's looking more and more likely that he will start week one, whether you agree with it or not, I don't see why Herbert doesn't start then. Well, see, the difference is, for me, in Miami, do you play Fitzpatrick, who's, you know, he's proven that he can get yourself a couple wins, or what are you, what exactly are you, are you risking by putting out a hot new talent into a, you have nothing to lose in Miami. You have been the joke for a long time. Like, think about what narrative changes if you put out a hot quarterback like Tua, he goes out there, maybe throws three touchdowns, no interceptions, and leads the team to a to a good opening day win. Think about how different of a narrative that immediately sets for Miami. You compare that to a team like um, LA. the Chargers, who even though they've not been amazing, they've been kind of considered to be middle of the pack-ish. Um, I feel like... Here's my thing with Tua and... Um, Herbert. Oh, Herbert. I, and this is the first time I'll ever admit this. I believe just because of the talent pool, to the talent level between the Pac-12 and the... And the SEC, uh, Herbert is not as advanced in terms of reading, having to read higher level defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to say it. Like, Tua is probably going to be closer in terms of of um, being able to read defenses, all that stuff, better, having played against better caliber defense and more players who make it into the NFL from um, on defense. However, there is the whole thing about no Alabama quarterback doing very well. Yeah. But Tua is much different, I think, because I don't think Nick Saban. I do think that if there's going, Nick Saban is terrible at developing quarterbacks, but I do believe that Tua, if any quarterback will break that sort of curse, It'll be Tua. Because he's much more pro-style than any of those other guys. Yeah. But it'll be an interesting thing to watch. That would have been a team I would have been down to see. I would have loved to have seen Miami. Yeah, Miami would have been a fun team as well. For sure. That might be the case maybe next year or the next few years. Because, I mean, I don't think they're going to have a winning record this year. So. I think they'll do better than they did the year before. I think, I think they're going to beat. Here, my hot take: I think they're going to beat New England twice. Uh, that's I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think Stidham is that great, so I, I think I think Miami has a chance to definitely double up on New England this year. Because they beat New England once the last two years, so they have to be the most competitive team in the AFC East when it comes to playing New England, anyway. Yeah. So I I do think that they can definitely win both, and I agree with you. Yeah. I think they will win both. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Kyrie Irving on yesterday's show with Cole and I. Uh, I we did want to uh, touch on it a bit on this show as well, 
Brandon, you and I had a very interesting conversation on Kyrie Irving <laughs> wanting to skip the Orlando restart or yeah. pushing his teammates to skip the restart, as well as suggesting to start their own league with the Brooklyn Nets players. Um, what, is, what is your thoughts on this situation? Um, well, as I said, I think this is kind of Kyrie just trying to mess with LeBron a little bit. Um, you know... Kyrie Irving always thinks he's a little bit better than he really is and thinks he has a little bit more more say than he really does. Um, I just feel like of all the leagues that you're going to try and play the, the league doesn't support African-American players card, the NBA ain't it. This ain't the place. This no, it's absolutely league. not. This ain't the people to try and pull that on. And and it's been – the moment he said it, you saw, like, so many high-level player, ex-players, legends, current players basically be like, what the heck is he talking about? Because this is a league that has basically – built themselves on supporting African-American communities and supporting the players, supporting what they stand for. I mean, are they perfect? No. But are they better than the NFL, NHL, MLB? Hell yes. Um, personally, I feel like this is and, – and you know what also has me, like, really not paying him any mind at all? He is injured on the Brooklyn Nets. Like – what do they expect to do this season? They like they shouldn't even like yeah they would have been in the playoffs but like they would have gotten their butts kicked by some top tier team and then been out in the first round. I, I talk I, to me talk to me next season when you have an actual team. Like I mean you have Dinwiddie you have Jared Allen you got DeAndre Jordan there you still have some pieces but yeah it's not a, it's not a team that's gonna win a title or compete right away no yeah. Um, but as I mentioned yesterday, I mean, I, I don't think you can disagree with what Kyrie's saying because when you have 80 players in a call, you have to be doing something right. But the I, but again, as as you met, as you've mentioned uh, very well, that that this league is incredibly progressive, and it, they can still be playing in Orlando and focus on creating change. I mean, they've done that for years. They played games, but they also focus on these very important social justice issues. Um, I think the the safety concerns should be much more of a worry for these players than uh, the social justice issues at at this point, because I think the NBA can continue to do that even at a more powerful level in Orlando with the platform, as we talked about yesterday as well. I don't want to just touch on that for a second. Like you have these, some of these players being like complaining about being like, Oh, we're going to be in a bubble. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to be in a bubble, but you're essentially going to be in a Disneyland bubble. Like, yeah, you can't go to the park, but you're literally staying on one of the resort uh, properties. They're bringing in magicians, bringing in bands, bringing in, not maybe not mag- magicians, but they're bringing in like all this stuff. They have anything that you can do. They can golf, they can practice, they can play ping pong, they can whatever. Yes, it sucks that they have to be there for three months. And without their families, and without their the biggest families, concern. But, like, they're the ones who have pushed to finish the season. I mean, the NBA and the 
the NBA and the NBA PA has clearly well, been focused on finishing right. this year. They want to finish the season, but the NBA PA, I'm sure if the players had been like, you know what? Nah, like we don't really care about finishing the season. What if the NBA could have been like, okay, whatever. Like we'll just like find a way to wrap it up quicker. But like, I get it, but it's not like it's again, it, of all the leagues that has actually been open with anything like NBA again has been more open than I mean like the NHL has a plan but like since they put out their their first like thing we haven't heard anything from them well they're in phase two or in July 4th around there like July 4th weekend they're going to be in phase two which is training camps so we're getting closer but we're not completely there uh Shane how are you feeling about Kyrie Irving and what he's proposing and the whole new league thing as well I mean, I think it's kind of bizarre, <laughs> uh, to say the least. I mean, it, like, I don't – I really don't understand what he's trying to accomplish with this uh, because, I mean, it's, I doubt it's going to happen. And even if it did, I mean, you know, would it, would it even catch on? No. So – I don't know. It's just bizarre. I, I think there's a lot more. There's obviously a lot more to starting your own sports league than he probably realizes. <laughs> and, oh, it's it's. It, I mean, agents tried to do it in the 2011 lockout, and it was virtually impossible. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, best of luck to him. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of weird. Like, I don't know. Like I said, I don't really know what he's, what his uh, true, you know, reason is for this. Who knows? So, so you're more confused than anything. Uh, yes. Yeah, that, that would be correct though. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on to the MLB. Uh, I wanted to bring this up. I know we've been talking about the proposals, but I kind of wanted to change up what we're talking about in terms of the proposals. How do you think the media coverage of these proposals, I know we've been talking about it for you know, three weeks to a month now, but how is the media reporting this this proposal? And I know every, every day it seems to change. One day we feel like we might have a season, the next we don't. And then the PA, the PA on Wednesday said the report that they're making progress is false and all this stuff. How do you think the media reporting it has has done to these negotiations? Has it made it worse in your mind? Uh, Shane, I'll start with you, actually. Well, yeah, I don't know. The whole, I don't know, all this back and forth is, is just kind of, it's kind of frustrating, really. Um, You know, I, I don't, I mean, like you said, you know, one week they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a season. And then the very next day it's like, nope, that's deals looking harder and harder. With all that in mind, it's like I'm still not very optimistic. (laughs) Um, Because if they're, you know, if they were confident that there would be a season, I feel like there would be more of a, uh, I guess, like, What's the word I'm looking for? There, there would be confidence. 
Well, no, I think there would just be less speculation from everybody. Uh-huh. You know? Um, but I, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just really, really weird. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> you know, like I said, I'm not too hopeful yet, but, um, I mean, we'll see crazier things have happened. So, uh, Brandon, how do you feel the speculation, especially in the media has changed these negotiations or has it at all in your mind? Um, You know, I don't know if it's changed, like, negotiations. Um, I think it's given talking points to teams. Um, Like, I think having the media be involved has, like, given teams, like, the ability to to cry about it a bit. Um, I also think the owners have used the media to be dumb themselves. Um, so I would say, I think the media has kind of been like, they've been used, I would say. And, and the reason I say they've been used is because the media has, has one role and one role only, or they should, which is to present the information to the public. And to have an opinion. And to have an opinion, where it is, where an opinion is correct to be given um i think in this case it's become kind of like a divorce sort of where like one side says something to the child to get them to like them and then the other side says something to the child except in this case the information is being given to the media kind of to get the public to be on their side at this point, I think we're gonna get a seat. We're going to get a season. One way or another, that's gonna happen. Um, I mean, or at least I thought so because they, I thought they had settled on sixty. At, at least we're at this stage. At least we're at the stage where they're like willing to say we will give you your money for what for the games played. Just please sign the dang contract. Yeah. And now the now the players are coming back with seventy, and it's just it's a thing. I mean, it it seems like we're getting closer to spring training two point oh. There is a report that came out that they probably are going to start on June twenty ninth, which seems, or at least that's the goal. And I don't I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to have to wait till probably past July fourth for that to happen, which is unfortunate because July 4th weekend would be a perfect time for the MLB season to restart again. I think we can all agree. But the media, in terms of the reporting and, and things that we've heard and talked about over the last month, it's really been difficult because you don't really kind of know what to believe. Like, the idea that a, a reporter would come out there ahead on a deal and then, whoops, they're not. Like, I don't really understand... Like, it, as you said, Brandon, I think that's a good way to put it. It's kind of like a divorce where it's like one side's kind of trying to win over the other uh, or win over a little kid uh, with whatever. Um, I think that, that that's a great example in the sense that I just – but it, it's – winning over the media also translates to winning over the fans to believe one side or another, right, as you mentioned. Uh, but I, I, 
that's what's so frustrating to me. It's like they're they're putting this stuff out there, but it's it's making it look worse. I feel like it's making it look worse than it actually is. Like at least it seems like they're ahead, but at the same time they seem like they're ahead one day and then the next day they seem behind two steps. They seem ahead one step and then behind two steps literally two days later or a day later. And that's what's been most frustrating. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's see. Also, um, Brandon, I, you also had some thoughts on the Yankees, uh, the 2017 letter that's being in district court right now. And they're, they're hoping to unseal the, the Yankees. Rob Manfred gave a letter to the Yankees regarding their investigation of sign, sign stealing in 2017. What has been your thought on those reports that have come out in the last week? I mean, inevitable, I would say. I think at some point they're going to come out and say, I think at this rate, I think there will be information found at some point that says the Dodgers did something, some sort of cheating. Um, I just feel like in baseball, you don't get ahead without cheating. Whether it be steroids or whether it be sign stealing or whether it be some sort of clicky clacky thing i don't know um and it's one of those things where what i hate about it is the fact that you know the astros fans are gonna be like like ha they did it so it's okay that we did it too but like my thing is the supposed the supposed theory that people have is like the Astra, the Yankees did it by having like a camera in the bird's eye, at the other uh, batter's eye that could like zoom all the way in to see the the, or it was like they were using the the like camera behind the the uh, catcher, like you know how like MLB like has the cameras for like ballpark cam. Yeah. Um. My thing is. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that because cameras, cameras are not reliable. Like, if so, I mean, what do you mean by cameras are not reliable? In that instance, with the with it being basically behind the plate. Think about a camera, and the fact that if you're trying to see like hand signals from a pitcher behind a camera. With a batter and a catcher and an ump in the way. It, yeah, it doesn't That ain't seem... going to work. It would probably be like center field like the Dodgers or that, like the Astros that, did. Even that wouldn't work if you didn't have the stupid bang-de-bang-bang thing yeah. that the Astros had. Because if it's center field, then you're just looking at the back of the pitcher. So, I don't know. Shane, with this letter... Uh, why why do you think it took this long for the district court to get involved and how much more of a situation does th- or how much does this affect the MLB now that a US district court you know being that it's it's more of a legal issue now with a lawsuit by these uh DraftKings players how does that affect how the MLB and the Yankees feel at this current moment with this uh with the Yankees you know, it just, 
I think more than anything, it just further reinforces this idea that, you know, oh, everyone in baseball cheats, so it's okay, you know. And I mean, it's too bad, really, you know. But the thing is, it's like, now that an actual court is involved in this, I feel like we're finally going to see something come out of it. Uh, because as we've discussed in weeks prior, kind of feels like they, you know, the MLB isn't taking all this as seriously as they probably should be. So, you know, it's, um, I mean, you know, part of like a, <laughs> a cynical part of me always thought, oh, these other teams that are so successful year after year, they must be stealing signs too or something. And to find out that that might be the case is kind of, um, you know, it's kind of disappointing as a baseball fan, just seeing, you know, what the game has come to. Um, or has it always been like this and we just, you know, and we just haven't really known. <laughs> um, it's just kind of, I mean, the whole thing is, is, is really disappointing, but, um, you know, I guess over time we'll see what comes out of it. I mean, I think the biggest thing that you're pointing out, Shane, is that integrity of the game thing, right? It's like, as you talked about with the Astros, it's like the integrity of the game seems to continue to be ruined with all, all of these issues, whether it's these proposals or these investigations. But as a district court, it, it definitely something major could get done, especially if this continues to go through. And maybe the Yankees and MLB will appeal in some sort of way. I don't know, but this could go on for a while. But maybe it def, or maybe I should say, it could make a substantial change uh, in how the MLB runs and operates. But only time will tell for that. All right, and we're going now to the last part of our show, as we always do. Uh, our division previews. We're getting close to the end here. I think we have a, about a couple more weeks left. And we are doing the AFC South today. And we begin with the team that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, talking about Jamal Adams, the Houston Texans. Finished 10-6, uh, and six, lost to the Chiefs in that tough playoff loss. They were up by, what, 24 in uh, the first half and lost. So a tough loss for the Texans there. Yeah. So um, looking at their, their schedule first, well, what jumps out for you guys? Well, that first game against Kansas City will be interesting, to say the least. Um, I mean, they got a – their opening four games are pretty tough, it looks like. Um, you got Kansas City, Baltimore, top two teams in the AFC probably. And Pittsburgh, who's also, you know, on the rise, I would say. And then Minnesota, they're obviously decent. Um yeah, this is not a very forgiving schedule other than, like, Cincinnati and Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, the first four – let's say, like, the first four seem really tough – or let's say the first half before the bye looks pretty difficult. 
Um, oh, and the, right. And then the back half uh, looks uh, doesn't look uh, that bad. Uh, Brandon, in terms of Deshaun Watson, uh, uh, losing DeAndre Hopkins, of course, but bringing in Brandon Cooks, uh, do you think they can establish chemistry early, Cooks and Watson? And how important will that be to their success? Um, I don't know if it really depends that much because I think Sean Hopkins, I think Deshaun Watson is really good as a quarterback. I think any good quarterback should be able to acclimate to the players they have around them and get it done, you know? Shane, do you feel the same way about that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Deshaun is fantastic. I think he's a top five quarterback in the league, probably. Or maybe top ten. I don't know. Anyways, he's up there. Um, but, you know, just looking at this depth chart, I mean, <laughs> there's, you know, okay, if you look at last year, right, their whole, I mean, their whole offense was Deshaun and Diop. I mean, if you really, I mean, really, let's be honest. And now you're missing half of that, <laughs> and your running game is not as good either. So, um, yeah, I don't – I'm not too hopeful about Houston this year. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I, who, who knows? I could be wrong. Is there a frustration for you also with how Bill O'Brien has managed the organization in the past couple of years as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think he's uh, – I think he's a good coach, I but I don't necessarily because he's the general manager as well, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree with a lot of his decisions personally in terms of you know being a general manager. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I think they should have someone else in there to. Yeah, the, I mean, the only guy that should be the general manager as well as head coach is someone like Bill Belichick, who really is truly brilliant as a coach. And just is, he, is Belichick even the general manager? He is. He is. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, well, actually, for, wait, no, I did know that because he had his whole like dog thing. During yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandon, uh, in terms of how Bill O'Brien has handled the personnel for this team as a general manager, have you had the same frustrations as Brandon or as Shane as well? Uh, yeah, because I think he's a decent coach, but an absolutely atrocious general manager. I mean, he just, I mean. I mean, you just ha- all you have to do is look at the clowny situation. I mean, that's that's that is all you have to do. Like, you could have gotten something back in a trade if you had traded him, but you bring him back, and then and then you send him to a team, and you pick up two players who are way below his value. And a third round pick, which and didn't a third really round matter. Pick, which didn't, and I believe yeah. a fifth too. 
But let's not only talk about the clowny thing that happened, you know, two off seasons ago. Let's talk about that entire week or maybe even that entire off season, right? You not only clowny, but the Tunsil deal was weird because it probably would have made more sense to trade clowny for Tunsil in terms of equal value than trading clowny to the Seahawks for virtually nothing. And then Tunsil, but you gave away like what two or you gave like two first round picks and like a second. True. It's, you know, two separate trades basically on, I believe that was on the same day. And it was just, I, that was bizarre. And then to trade D hop for basically nothing get, I mean, other than David Johnson, which we don't even know how Bill O'Brien is going to use him here. It's, it's tough to really uh, agree with how he's handling this team personnel wise. And it's made the team's future a lot murkier, especially for a guy like Deshaun Watson, who, who definitely deserves a better overall team and a better guy running the personnel department. Um, Well, that, you know, that was like on Arizona's end, that's probably the best trade in franchise history. (laughs) That's, that's the best trade of the off season. No question. Yeah. um, Because I mean, if you think about it, they don't, they they really don't need David Johnson anymore because you, you have uh, you have Kenyon Drake there. Yes, who is, you know, a rising star in my opinion. Uh, I've been very impressed with him the, you know, the times that I've seen him. So no, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So in terms of X Factor players, uh, Brandon, uh, who's your X Factor for this team? Um, I'm gonna go with JJ Watt. All right. Yep. Um, goodness knows how long JJ Watt will be with this team. I mean, I know he just signed a new contract recently. I think. Um, but man, if he doesn't, I mean, he he proves every single season that he is like one of the lone shining stars on this team. And frankly, I'm shocked that he hasn't been dealt to another team. <laughs> Like I'm shocked, frankly. Yeah, I'd go to Pittsburgh if I were him. Oh yeah, play with his brother too. Brother, that'd be a good lot. That would be a great secondary linebacker core. Yeah, TJ and JJ, right? Yeah. So, and then you have Derek too, who they'll probably pick up if that's the case. Just no, they they did. Oh yeah, that's right. They did. They did. They picked him up. That is right. Yes. Derek and TJ are both in Pittsburgh. (laughs) <laughs> but anyways it, I mean basically the two stars on this team is Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt pretty much uh, Shane who's your X Factor for, for this team well the other star you just mentioned Deshaun um, you know I mean defensively I think they're okay and, you know they got some good names J.J. Watt obviously McKinney I really like where he's going uh, but yeah I mean in terms of uh you know, in terms of offense, I mean, he's really – Sean is really, I think, kind of the only <laughs> the only thing that's really giving them any hope, to be honest. At least on the offensive side. It, it, exactly, yeah. Um, because, I mean, I just – you know, losing – I mean, I, I don't know – 
I don't think they're going to have much of a running game. And I mean, the fact that they lost their star receiver, I mean, that's, uh, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think they're really going to be looking to Deshaun for, you know, some kind of uh, playmaking ability and yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me just overview the team really quick. Uh, of course, Deshaun Watson, as we, as, uh, you guys mentioned uh, David Johnson and Duke Johnson, a good one two punch, but I, again, this is not going to be a team that's going to be focused on the running game. Yes, it was nice. They had Carlos Hyde last year as well. So it, they, they are comfortable with the one two punch, but it's not incredible. The receiving core is interesting. Uh, Will Fuller, of course, uh, who played a good role when he was healthy, but uh, notoriously unhealthy, unfortunately. Last year, he missed most of the season. I think he missed 12 or 13 games. Brandon Cooks, they picked up. Again, injury concerns, concussion issues. Kenny Stills is a nice piece. Kiki Kuti, I love Kiki. I think uh, he doesn't get enough shine, doesn't get enough playing time. The guy is a young player that can really rise if he gets the opportunity. He just hasn't had it. Uh, Darren Fells is best as a role playing tight end. Yeah, he's nice in the red zone, but that's about it. Uh, I think they should look for a better tight end still if they can. This line was still remarkably disappointing this year, or last year. Uh, Larry Mintensel is a nice fit, um, uh, but I, I expected more from Titus Howard. He's my X-Factor player last year. Uh, but this offensive line still looks very atrocious at this moment. This defense is nice. Linebacking core, I have. I, I really like their linebacking core as a whole. As a whole. Gary and Conley, not a great fit with the Raiders. I don't even think the Texans have used them very well either. Uh, I think they just picked up Bradley Roby as well. Uh, and Vernon Hartgraves, I just don't know if they're going to use them at their perfect – I don't know. I just feel like this group doesn't mesh very well together. This secondary doesn't feel like it's going to work out as well as it should. Yes, it can be productive, but it can only be productive in the right situation. And unfortunately with Bill O'Brien, yes, he's a, a defensive coach, but I just don't see this secondary playing as well as they should. Uh, but my X factor, it's going to be Will Fuller. Um, he just has to stay healthy. Him and Brandon Cooks can be very productive if they both stay healthy. And I think that's what's going to matter for Deshaun. It's all about, do these guys stay healthy? And if they do, Deshaun won't have too much of a problem offensively. I, I don't think it will be as bad. Yes, it won't be as great as if you have Hopkins there. But I do think he can still be really productive if both of these guys can stay healthy long-term. Um, all right, let's move on to our next team on our list here. And that is the Tennessee Titans uh, went to the AFC championship game. A uh, big surprise there. Shane, you were not too excited about Ryan Tannehill when he got the starting job, but how important was he to getting them to that championship game? Um, yeah, I think I, <laughs> I think I made a joke about how if um, if he started, I would stop watching football because <laughs> at the time, I mean, at the time, right? He was, you know, that was when he was in Miami, and we were all like, "Oh, Tannehill, really?" But anyways, <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he fit very nicely into this scheme i mean things definitely came together once he entered the equation 
granted, I think part of that has to do with the fact that Derrick Henry also happened to get really hot at that time. Um, but anyways, regardless, you know, I, I'm glad they, you know, found their guy and that he kind of had a bit of a re- <laughs> re- revitalization of his career, if you will. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him play the full season and to see if if it was just, you know, everything happened all too perfectly or if they were they are the real deal. It could be either or. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Brandon, uh, what was your thoughts on Tannehill last year? And also, uh, what do you think about the schedule that, that they have here? Um, I didn't really pay that much attention to Tannehill last year until obviously like the playoffs. Um, and I'd say this schedule seems pretty doable, you know, um, it really doesn't look that bad at all. They have like maybe one or two really hard games that I'd be like, nah, they ain't gonna be able to win it, which is like Green Bay. Um and Baltimore. Yeah, Green Bay and Baltimore. Maybe Buffalo. Um, but those are it really. Um I think they have a they should be favored in most of their games other than those three. Um, yeah, I, I really liked Tannehill last year. A lot of te- a lot of people gave uh, Tannehill a lot of flack for not throwing the ball as much. He didn't really need to. Uh, this team is built on Derrick Henry. It's just that simple. Um, the contract extension, I don't know about that yet. I, I, I still feel like – I feel like he earned the contract extension. But – I one more full season like he did last year. If he can play as good as he did last year, Tannehill, I'll be happy with the extension. If not, a year from now, we're going to have a much different conversation, not only about Tannehill, but about the contract. So it's one of those things where, yes, he was great and he deserved the money he got. But if he has a bad year this year, uh, it's going to. It's we're going to be talking about the contract next year. Shane, did you have a comment on that? I was going to say it just might have been too soon. Do you have yeah. that feeling with the contract? No, I mean I don't. I don't have an issue with it. I just would have. I would have wanted to see him play a full year before I mm-hmm. just went out and said, "Okay, here's a hundred million bucks." Yeah, Actually. I agree with that. <laughs> I, uh, I think if someone, I mean, I mean, like. Tannehill proved himself, but it's like before last year he hadn't really done much and he wasn't considered like amazing. For me, it's kind of a now can you do that for the whole season? You know, it's like can you have a full season of doing it like this and prove that you really are as good as as you showed you are in the playoffs? Again, I'm fine with the contract. I was kind of all in with the contract after what he did in the playoffs, so I'm not going to shy away from it. I think the contract is fine. I know a lot of people also feel a bit frustrated about Derrick Henry's deal, but uh, as is being reported, that negotiation is actually going very well. So I imagine that they'll get that deal done. 
But if he, if he has a bad year, uh, we could have a much different conversation about the contract. Uh, X-Factor players, uh, Shane, you can go first here for the Titans. I mean, I think it's got to be Derrick Henry. Um, you know, he's – it's like him and McCaffrey are the only, the only two running backs that I feel are – more significant than their quarterback. <laughs> um, and, I mean, you definitely know it because he, you know, he really does make a huge difference when he's on the field. I mean, the guy's a machine. He can't stop him, <laughs> you know. So having him playing and healthy is, um, you know, it's very, very crucial, I think, to – uh, to this team and to their success, at least offensively. Uh, Brandon, who is your X factor for this team? I would say my X factor would be probably um, Ryan Tannehill. It'd be Tannehill for you. Because um, I think he needs to just play well and they need, they really need to have a quarterback who can get it done, you know? Yeah. So, uh, overview of the team really quick. Of course, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, as you guys mentioned, I love AJ Brown. Uh, he's incredible. Uh, I think him and Ryan Tannehill really played well last year. I expect that to continue. Um, as for Corey Davis, uh, they gave him his fifth year option. This is it for him. Uh, the reality is he's not that good of a player and they like him in Tennessee, but he hasn't developed the way they would have hoped. Adam Humphreys needs a much bigger role. They paid him too much money for him not to have a bigger role. He needs to have it this year. Love Johnny Smith. Uh, this offense has some nice young pieces at, on this receiving core, but again, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys uh, need a bigger role, need to do a lot more, but Johnny Smith and AJ Brown, I absolutely love. This line, not as great as past years, uh, but it's still solid enough. Uh, this defense can only be best described as the island of misfit toys. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons uh, comes back from injury this year, fully healthy. I think he started playing around week 13, week 14. Played remarkably well last year. Vic Beasley, another one of those island of misfit toys guys. Had one great year as rookie year in Atlanta, then tapered off. Uh, Rashawn Evans is great. Harold Landry is a nice piece. Jalen Brown, these linebacking core looks good. Malcolm Butler's not good. The reality is he's overpaid. He's not great. Kenny Vercaro and is average as well, but this defense runs out one as the most important based on off one guy. And that's Kevin Byard. He is one of the most underrated safeties in the NFL. He's an incredible player. I highly recommend watching a highlight tape of this guy. Cause he is ridiculous. He's an interception machine. Adore Jackson is best known as a punt returner pretty much. Uh, but my X factor is going to be AJ Brown. Um, he's just incredible. He played just in, he just had a great year. It's that simple. The guy's very fast, very quick, perfect kind of player that Ryan Tannehill uh, likes to play with that receiver. And it showed last year, I think he can make an even bigger impact, but if you want to look at an X factor for the defense, it'd be Kevin Byard, but we already know about the greatness of Kevin Byard, even if it's underrated. So I'll go with AJ Brown. 
Um, all right, so two more teams left here. And let's see, we are moving on to the Colts. And we forgot to mention that, of course, the Colts signed uh, Philip Rivers during our uh, schedule release. That was my bad. I'll take all the blame for that. But uh, let's talk about uh, Philip Rivers. Uh, Brandon, I'll start with you. Uh, Philip Rivers to the Colts. How did you feel about the move when it was announced? And how important is he to their success? Um. I felt like it was a weird move because I feel like Jacoby Brissett had kind of been holding it down for a while. Um, I don't know. I feel like the Colts for, feel like they can just bring in a, a a veteran quarterback who's had some mild success in his career and be like, woo, we got our great guy. We're going to be so good now. And it's just kind of like – I don't know. I don't buy it. They just, it feels like a team that really, even when they had Andrew Luck, really needed a lot of work, and they need even more work now. Shane, do you feel the same way about this team and also uh, highlight their schedule as well? Yeah, you know, the, the Colts are interesting to me because, you know, I think that they're, I think they're a lot better than 7-9. Um, but to me, you know, the, the place where they really, I guess, underperformed is, uh, quarterback and running back somewhat. Um, not that reset is bad necessarily, but I don't know. I, you know, I was, I had a feeling that over the off season they would get somebody, um, you know, like uh, an old veteran type player. Um, Which they did know, with I, Rivers, pretty much. Yes. And I was, and I knew that they were an option for Rivers. So when I heard that they signed him, I was not surprised at all. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I could see, and I guess I could see them improving a bit, but I don't, I mean, I don't think he considering how much he's declined himself, I don't think he's the guy that is going to do that for him just for, you know, one year going in and helping out, if you will. I think he signed a two-year deal, did he? No, just one. It's a one-year, so it's a prove-it deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then they got, you know, they got Eason. And I'm... I'm looking forward to because I assume he'll start one day, <laughs> like in a year or two. And so, you know, he's totally a pro style quarterback just with his physique and his arm. So I'm, I'm very excited to see where the team goes from there with him. Um, should that happen? So, <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, I mean, they still got. You know, they've still got some great veterans, especially on, on defense. Uh, so, yeah, it's it'll be an interesting year for sure with this team. Uh, Brandon, in terms of Jacob Eason, I know uh, you were high on him uh, going much earlier than he did. I feel like the Colts are a perfect fit for him long-term. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I was really excited when they took – when the Colts took him. Um, I think he's in a good position where he – 
we'll get to learn from a veteran. I guess you could say two veterans and Jacoby Brissett and Philip Rivers. Um, he doesn't have to like start right away. And I mean, you know, I think down the line, year or two, he'll get to start and he'll be able to prove himself. Um, I think we'll see. I'm sure we'll see some action from him in the preseason. But if, um, if we really, get the two games, right? Yeah. If we get or the, I mean, I think it's supposed to be three games. Um, Either way, but we'll see. Uh, Shane, you can go first for X Factor for this team. Hmm. I'm gonna say. Well, I would say Philip Rivers, but I don't think that he's gonna perform at the level that they need him to. I'll just be honest. Um, but I will say T.Y. Hilton, yeah, because the, I think this guy is one of the more underrated receivers, and um, you know, just he, he's very versatile as a player, and he, yeah, he's been in that locker room for a long time. I think the guys really look up to him, and yeah, you know, I, I think that he. I think that he'll be pretty critical in terms of the passing game if they want to have success, um, you know, especially deep and, and whatnot. So um, he would he would be my guy, but there are a couple other guys that I could go with as well, like DeForest Buck, Buckner and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll say T.Y. Hilton officially on the record at 4.14 p.m. <laughs> On June 18th. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, uh, who are you taking on the record here? Uh, I would say... I'm going to go with T.Y. You're going to go with T.Y. as well. I think T.Y., he just needs to stay healthy. Oh, 100%. I mean, when he's healthy, he's a beast. I mean, I, I've had him for – I had him a couple years in fantasy. and I tried to trade for him last he year. Goes, he goes off when he's healthy. Yeah. But he's just been so injury-prone the last couple years that mm-hmm. – yeah. So, T.Y.'s my guy. Uh, all right. So, I feel bad for looking this up, but I had to look up the GM of the Colts because he's a top-five GM in the NFL. Uh, Chris Ballard, he has done wonders with this organization. Uh, the team looks so much better than it did uh, whenever Andrew Luck was taking the snaps for them. Uh, this O-line is incredible. Um, it's a top five O-line. Uh, Anthony Costanzo is great. Quinn Nelson is a pro bowler. Um, Braden Smith, uh, Ryan Kelly, Mark Lewinsky, this O-line is incredible. Um, Receiving-wise, I love what they've done here. Uh, you got T.Y., of course. Even if he doesn't stay healthy, uh, they're expecting huge things out of Michael Pittman this year, uh, the pick out of USC, who is very underrated. Uh, we can all agree, and, and I know you guys watching the Pac-12 more than I do can agree that uh, Michael Pittman's a great prospect, and he was very underrated, uh, partially because of how bad USC has been pretty much throughout his time there. Paris Campbell's excellent. He's very underrated, and Zach Pascal is also a great receiver. This is a nice receiving core. Uh, with T.Y. Hilton in or not. Um, 
Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to play a significant snap, probably after week 12, I would imagine. Uh, He's definitely going to get that number one uh, job by the end of the year, even though I love Marlon Mack. Jack Doyle and Trey Burton, good one-two punch. They're also expecting more out of Mo Alley-Cox, who also played basketball for VCU, if you guys can remember that, in March Madness when VCU was incredible. Um, Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner, of course. Um, ben Banigu is pretty good as a young player. Uh, Danico Autry as well. Uh, this linebacking core is good. It's very young. Um, same, so pretty much this whole secondary as well is very young with Rocky Sim, Malik Hooker still developing. Uh, he was in some trade rumors as well because he hasn't developed as well as the Colts would have hoped, uh, but I don't expect him to get moved. Um, let's see. My X Factor is going to be Jonathan Taylor. I really think he'll, he'll step in about week 12 and get some running back minutes for, for them um, and be the more productive back in this system. And if Philip Rivers has a productive guy in the backfield as Philip had with guys like Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. If he has that with Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack as well, I think it could really benefit him. So I'm going to go Jonathan Taylor. And our last team here on the books is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Greatest team in the NFL. The greatest team in the NFL. That's, that's your thought process, Shane. Uh, Yeah. Uh, what what is your uh, real thought process uh, specifically focused on the quarterback position with Gardner, with Gardner Minshew? Excuse me. Um, I think they're actually the the worst team or one of the worst teams um, in the NFL. I mean, I don't I don't think Gardner Minshew is that bad. Um, I mean, he's not he's not amazing, but his numbers were decent. Um, you know, I mean, there's just, I think they've, they've just been in this like eternal rebuild mode (laughs) and, you know, I don't, I don't see that getting better uh, this year because, you know, they didn't, I mean, they didn't add to me other than like cj henderson or wait no yeah it would be henderson yeah yeah yeah. yes That's right. um yeah i think he's a good addition um then you know of course they got guys like uh miles jack you know he's decent um <clears throat> And then, you know, Leonard Fournette when he's, when he's healthy, of course. I just – I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't uh, – there's just – it's kind of like uh, like the Redskins, you know, where they just don't really have any particular guys that, like, stand out. And you're like, oh, yeah, that, that, guy's, that guy's great or whatever. You know, I just don't really get that with this team. And – I think it's going to be a while until they kind of dig their way out of this giant hole that they're in. <laughs> I mean, Jalen Ramsey is a perfect example of this, of why this team is, you know, uh, so uninspiring and doesn't have many big names. It's just because all the big names, basically minus Fournette, left. Yeah. And, it, and it shows to the difficulty of this organization, just players just not really wanting to be there 
because the organization is is in such a hole. I'll highlight the schedule real quick. There's not much here. I mean, it, it's a it's a solid schedule. It's a schedule where they can be competitive in most games, but I just don't know what to get out of Gardner Minshew. Yes, we went through Minshew mania, but when the push came to shove with Gardner Minshew after 10 weeks, I kind of had to eat my words because here's the deal. He's a bridge quarterback and nothing else. No, he got hurt. What are you gonna, how, how are you going to well, talk about Minshew mania, baby? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Well, the yeah. favorite thing about him is his mustache. Whatever, Minshew Mania is going to run wild on you next year, and you know it. Do you really believe that? Do you feel like Garner is going to be the oh, franchise guy? Oh, yeah, brother. What you going to do when Minshew Mania runs wild on you? So so you feel like Minshew is the real deal for this team long term? Yeah, I do. I mean, I feel like he's the best option they've had in a while. It certainly is the best option, but I just – I, I don't look at Gardner like nothing. I don't know at, at towards the end of the year. I mean, before he got hurt, he just sort of kind of fell off and it's, I, I, I don't think this is the right coaching staff to develop him. There's a reason why they brought back the coaching staff this year yeah. is because they feel like they can develop Minshew. If there was another coaching staff in there, like if they hired somebody like Ron Rivera, I would feel much, much more comfortable with this situation, but Right now, I don't with this coaching staff. I just don't. Uh, Brandon, I'll start with you for X Factors for the Jaguars. Uh, DJ Shark. Yeah, good good pick. Uh, good young receiver, right? That's kind of what, what you're looking for yeah, with basically, him. Basically, he's their best guy. He's, uh, you know, he's young, he's fast, he's talented. And also, him and Minshew had an incredible connection last year as well. True. Um, Shane, who do you have? I'll say CJ Henderson. Just um, yeah, you know, I think they need a guy like him to just kind of bring some some life and some young blood into this into this defense. And you know, I think he's got a good chance of doing that. I mean, the biggest thing with CJ right is like, all right, how do how do we replace uh? The AJ Boya is gone as well, not just Jalen Ramsey. How to replace that? Henderson, I think, where they draft him at, like twenty around the twenties or something. Uh, but it wasn't a bad pick. He's a good. He's a good corner. I think he can develop well in the in this system. They've obviously done a great job at developing corners. Clearly, um, but looking at this team, the receiving core is great. Uh, I like Keelan Cole. I like uh, DJ Chark. Obviously, DD Westbrook. Chris Conley's not bad. LaVisca Chenault hopefully will have a much bigger role, the rookie out of Colorado. A lot of teams pegged him as a bust. I don't feel that way. I think he's a, he's a good receiver. He just needs to get his opportunities, and I think with this team he will. Leonard Fournette, I, I feel like in a year he's out. Uh, I don't think they're going to come to an extension. And there's a reason, I think, why they brought Chris Thompson in. Clearly bringing in Chris Thompson says something because they brought him in like a couple days after. Uh, I believe they declined Fournette's option, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they did. So I I don't think Fournette's there long-term. I don't think Chris Thompson is their guy, but he he is there now. Uh, Tyler Eifert's career is basically done. He's not the same player. This line isn't bad. Uh, still has a lot more development left to do. Uh, but Andrew Norwell and Brandon Linder have been there for a long time. Cam Robinson, not the best, but 
Juwan Taylor and AJ Kane could still develop a little bit. This defense is where this team shines. Uh, they brought, of course, uh, Josh Allen, Yannick Ngakwe is great. I don't think he'll be there long term, but they also have Caleb on Chase on, who's nice, and he'll probably step in if Ngakwe leaves, which seems more than likely. Um, Ronnie Harrison isn't too bad, but of course, as Shane highlighted, uh, CJ Henderson. Uh, let's see who I'm going to go with here. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Josh Allen. I'll highlight the defense. Uh, Josh Allen was great last year. Uh, didn't get as much pub in the national meet as he should. I think, uh, this year he'll, he'll pop even more and play a lot better, but clearly as I cleared the theme with this team is really simple. It's just a bunch of players that are probably on their way out. And I forgot to mention Joe Schobert, who's, who's really nice as well. He was a pro bowler with the Browns. But, yeah, this team's theme is very simple. It's a bunch of players that are not going to be there in a year or two time, basically. Uh, do you guys feel the same way with that? Yeah, for a lot of them, probably. Yeah. All right. And that is oh, – actually, there we go. I uh, missed it again. Ha <laughs> ha. We are doing the uh, – no, I got you. We are doing our record predictions as always, and I always miss them. This is a trend now for some random reason. Uh, but record predictions for the AFC South. Uh, Shane, you are welcome to go first. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think this is Tennessee's division uh, this year. Now that they kind of have their plan established, it seems like at least. Um I I think they could win 12 or 13 games, but I don't totally know because again I you know I want to actually see them play a full year. So 12 and four, let's say. I'll play it safe and say 11 and five. All right. But I could change my mind on that, and then yeah, I think that they'll win. Um, I I, th- I think the Colts will jump up to second, and they. I think uh, I think they'll finish around 500, and then I think Houston will come in at about seven and nine, and then Jacksonville I think will be about five and eleven. Uh, Brandon, you're next. Who do you have? Honestly, I would say, yeah, I I think I'm the same with Shane. Um, I would say maybe. I think the Colts could probably do a little bit than eight and eight, better than eight and eight, so like nine and seven. Um, but I think the Texans will be about the same, seven and nine, and then yeah. You you pretty much agree with the rest, yeah. Um, in terms of Houston, uh, where is that down stemming from? Because I mean, Deshaun Watson can easily get this team about ten, eleven wins, and that's kind of how I feel with this well, team. You can have the best players ever, but if you don't have the right coaching, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, with Houston, you said seven and nine, right? Or yeah, yeah. seven nine, yeah. Yeah. So, so is it mostly coaching for you as well, Shane, uh, and not as much Deshaun Watson, even though he's talented enough to get the team wins? No, it's not necessarily Deshaun. It's just, and or even the coaching, really. But I mean, they, you know, they they don't their run game took a big hit and their pass game really. I mean, you know, they, 
I mean, they'll probably be fine, but I don't know. I mean, D-Hop was a huge, huge piece for them. And, I mean, their secondary is not the best. And then, I mean, they're the same with their D-line other than J.J. <clears throat> JJ Watt, and knowing him will probably get hurt halfway through the season. So Maybe. Huh? Yeah, I, I mean, hope not. Well, I don't know. But anyways, um, he has a history. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I just don't um, – I don't think there's – and, I mean, you can tell that Deshaun is kind of butthurt about D-Hop leaving. So I'm not – As he should be. I mean, well, those yeah, two had a great big connection. But, yeah, I'm not – I mean, I don't think that they'll be terrible, but, you know, just like 7-9, 8-8 maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Around 500. I- it's kind of meh. <laughs> I, I agree with most of this other than I feel like Houston wins the division at 11 and five or 12 and four. Really? I, st- I still think Houston wins this division. Yeah. Despite, I, 10. I, uh, despite, despite what the Titans did last year, I still think Houston finds a way. The more I think about it, the more I realize that Houston always just seems to win this division, regardless how this division looks, regardless of how their team looks. They always find a way to win this division. Keep in mind, Tennessee did not have a great regular season. They finished nine and seven, right? The Texans still are won this division. I, I, this, this division is the Texans to lose. Let's put it that way, because they've always found a way to win this division. May I, may I object? Yes, please. <laughs> so, no, Tennessee did not have a great regular season, but when Tannehill came in the number of wins skyrocketed because in the yeah. beginning half of the season, they were like, what, two and... Because the Mariota was in there? Yeah, or the, they were like two and five or something. Yeah. I mean, it was bad. And then they won like four straight and whatever. So if you just look at when Tannehill was in there, you know, I think that changes things a bit. Yeah. I, I, but- I just look at this entire division and say... I don't see how Houston doesn't win it. I, I just don't. I, I history. It it's just it's just how this it's how the history of this division works with Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson. They just find a way to win this division. Does that mean they, they win a playoff game or two? Maybe they win a wild card in this sort of system that we're having this this year, but they don't go far than the divisional ground. And maybe Tennessee goes far. I don't no, I think more than likely you'll probably see the Ravens and the Chiefs match up in the, t- in the AFC title game this year. But Tennessee is definitely going to be more competitive than Houston in the playoffs. But in terms of regular season, I just don't see how Houston loses this. Uh, Brandon, do you have an objection to this before we head out? <laughs> I think Shane pretty much covered it. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know, man. That's uh... yeah. You guys are clearly not. Uh, you guys are on the same page, and I'm definitely the minority here. Uh, but that is it for today. Uh, thank you, Shane. Thank you, Brandon. As always, we'll be back next week. Um, enjoy your weekend, everybody. Uh, nice and sunny out today, but you know, everyone stay safe. Uh, that's always number one priority, especially during this time. Uh, same with uh, you and your families, uh, Shane and Brandon as well. So uh, have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you all 
next week. Thank you. Take care.